0: Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Now, Lord, we pray that your spirit will come. We need you to speak to us today. We want to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 30 is where we're going to start today. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 19. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Do you hear voices? We're beginning a new series today. This is really a cooperative series, and each of us has a part to play in it, although, as is always the case, for some people their part's gonna be a bit more stressful than others. Most of you have the easy job, and your job is each Sabbath to listen closely and carefully to the voices. But these are not just any voices. This summer, you're going to be hearing some of the voices of the people you love. Now, we haven't done that in a few weeks. I haven't been up here for a few weeks, so we haven't done that in a few weeks. So I want to do that again today so that you don't forget. We're still heart to heart. This is still our theme for this year. I want you to look around you. I want you to take a look around. Go on. You're not looking. Your heads aren't moving. There you go. All right, look around you, the different ones up there. You guys can't see the balcony, but they're up there too. Look around you, and we want to say this phrase together that we've said several times already. Do you remember what it is? These are the people I love. Now, some of you forgot it, so we're going to try again. Here we go. These are the people I love. Now, here's the thing. Some of the people sitting close to you, you know a lot about. But some of the people sitting not that far from you you know a little about, right? But it's actually amazing how little we actually know about each other. We come to this place all the time and we get it in our heads that your perception of me in this place really is my whole story. But there's always more to our stories. And we all have these stories. And this summer, you will have the chance to learn a little bit more about some of these people that you are honored to share this room with. Of course, everyone has a voice and everyone has a story. But I am aware that studies have shown that many of you fear death less than you fear public speaking. That's actually a study they did. So because we're sensitive to that, we're not going to make everyone do it but we are gonna make some of you do it why because this place is filled with voices that you need to hear these are not just any voices these are the voices of the people we love and we have asked each one that we've invited to speak to us about times in their lives when they have heard God's voice speaking to them and in particular if it also works in what God gives them Speaking about how God has spoke to them about loving the people around them. So we're going to see how God leads each one each week. Now, in truth, we actually started this series last Sabbath, but but well, I wasn't going to roll it out till this week. But in truth, Pastor Juan started it. Do you remember his title last week? It was "Can You Hear Me Now?" It's voices, and he gave us an outstanding message. And a very powerful story at the end where he talked about his calling to ministry and how God used the voice of a stranger to affirm to him that God was real and God was there and then voices of friends to affirm in him his calling to be a pastor. These are the voices. So that's our theme for this summer. Now I want to give you a little rundown on the schedule. So, so this is our summer schedule. So last Sabbath was Pastor Juan, and then I'm today, and then June nine we're dragging out old Bernie Anderson, and we're going to bring him back just because he's not a pastor anymore doesn't mean he can't still speak here. So, we're bringing him back on June nine, and then Pastor Dennis Ross is going to be with us. Now, now some of you don't know Pastor Ross. But that's because you're not a pastor in the Southern Union over the last few years. He was our union ministerial director for years until he retired. And I put that in quotes because he apparently doesn't know what retirement really means. He keeps doing things. He does evangelism. He goes around. He keeps working. And uh, this is a family that's been an incredible blessing to Alicia and I and our whole family, both when we were in Atlanta and now that we're down here. And uh, Pastor Dennis is going to bring us our message on June 16. He is one of those people who has transcended the narrowness and the the boundaries we catch ourselves into and has ministered effectively uh, in African-American churches and in, in other churches all around. He has been effective everywhere he's gone. So we look forward to, to his message, and there's a chance that uh, Jackie might sing that day too. So we always like it when she does that too. So look for that. And then maybe you've heard of this other guy that's gonna be here June 23, Pastor Derek Morris. If you've been around here long enough, you remember when he was here for a time. He's coming back, and he's gonna be here June 23, so that's gonna be a very special Sabbath. But it just keeps going after that. So on June 30, Don Williams, now I don't know if you know Don or not, he's one of our Sabbath school teachers. And uh, he was a pastor for years and then went on and uh, got into education and has worked at Adventist University of Health Sciences. Uh, And he has done work in the book of Ecclesiastes and wrote a book on that and he a couple months ago out of the blue He sent me something that he had written and it was so powerful. I said all right You have to be on this list. So that got him on the list. Maybe that's a cautionary tale Don't send me anything too good or I might make you preach So be careful then July 7 Jennifer and Lionel the mountain will be here so that'll be songs and spoken word. Lionel is a pastor, and he, uh, he'll be doing primarily the speaking part, but Jennifer's going to sing for us that day. Then we have Les McCoy. We do that every summer. Uh, Les is the uh, publishing director for the Florida Conference, and he comes every summer with his uh, students that are working with him and selling all around the state in different places, and he comes and shares stories and introduces us to them. So that'll be powerful. Then Terry Shaw will be with us. Terry Shaw is the CEO of Adventist Health System and he's going to bring us uh, an important message that day. And then we have Joseline Shaw, not related, but Joseline, her name originally was Prado before she was married, is someone who grew up in this church. She's actually a contemporary with Pastor Juan and she now serves as a chaplain for Florida Hospital. She is the senior chaplain for the Children's Hospital area. I met with her on Thursday. And you don't want to miss that day. You might want to bring uh, some handkerchiefs that day, too, because she has a powerful message for us to hear that day. But we're still not done even then, because then Pastor Tim Nichols, one of the voices amongst us for a time, will be here. And then I'll be back on August 11. And then the big capper, the grand finale of it all, the moment we've all been waiting for, Pastor Patty is going to join me on the platform, and you're actually going to hear her voice. She's not just going to sit up there and shake her head at me like she's doing right now. She's literally going to come to the front and speak. So this is going to be a special time. She has a powerful testimony to share. She's just not sure what it is yet, but it's going to be really good. And we're looking forward to that. So these are the voices that you will be hearing. And we're gonna do little bios every week so you know who you're hearing from. Uh, Pastor Kayla's gonna put those in the newsletter so watch for that every week so that you know a little more. This is us. This is who we are. So let's invest ourselves to hear these important words from each other. It's a remarkable lineup that a church like this has this many people in it that you never even get to hear from. But it's it's gonna be good. So So you're unwise if you miss a single Sabbath this summer, and you're downright crazy if it turns out you're gone and you don't tune in online, because I actually have to be gone one or two. But uh, but mostly I'll be able to be here for all of these, but make sure, because you don't want to miss any of these this summer, the voices of the people we love. So voices. So today's my turn And I want to talk to you about a time I heard the voice of God in my life. So let me give you a little backstory here. I think I would have to be defined as sort of the quintessential child of the church. I'm a pastor's kid. Most of you know that because my dad's been here from time to time. I'm a pastor's kid, grew up around the church, And some people who are pastors' kids they they say, wow, that was really hard, but I don't know exactly what they were talking about. I loved it. I loved being a pastor's kid. And then education. I went first to twelfth grade in Adventist education. And some people say, Oh, I had a hard time, or I didn't like. I loved it. It was great. All my jobs throughout those years, when you start working, I started working. I worked for Adventists. I didn't always love that. But so it goes. And then I reached that pivotal moment when a child of the church must transition to become an adult believer. And in a real sense, I got stuck there. One of the reasons might have been because it was so good being a child of the church. It was a little hard leaving that behind. But here's the thing I want to say with that. We often do an extremely good job at helping our children have a wonderful experience as children of the church. But I think if we have a weakness in the system, it's at that point of transition. We don't help them become adult believers sometimes. As well as we should. In truth, this is a point where some of my kids are right now, and I'm pretty sure I haven't been helping them take this step as well as I should. But I'm not always sure how to do it. Just a personal opinion here I believe we lose more of our young adults through them wandering away at this point of their life. They're no longer a child of the church, but not really an adult believer yet either. I think we lose more of them because they wander away at this point than we lose of ones that reach a point and then just outright reject everything. I think we leak more than we're rejected. Now, if you were to look at my life story, I suppose if you were to stand back and look at my whole story you would say oh well that whole thing makes good sense and you might even think that the road that led me to where I'm standing right now was in fact inevitable and while I agree that God's pursuit of us is inevitable each of us must decide to hear his voice over all the other voices around us by the time I finished 12th grade Mine was a great but somewhat strange life. When I left 12th grade, I didn't even know anybody who wasn't an Adventist. In fact, I hadn't, beyond the slightest of acquaintance, known anyone who wasn't an Adventist since I was six years old, because I'd always lived in these communities of Adventists. I remember when I was six years old, we lived in Spokane, Washington, and I I knew the Cronin's. They were the neighbors right across the... but that was the last ones. When I left 12th grade, I knew a great deal about Adventists and about being an Adventist, but in order for me to be what God would ultimately call me to be, I needed to know a little more than that. Yet the road to being an adult believer and the road to gaining insight can be a dangerous road. There are always two voices that are calling to us. I know you've heard them. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. So that's wisdom. Wisdom calls us from the high place in the city. But wisdom isn't the only voice that calls. Proverbs chapter 9, same chapter, verse 13. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat at the highest point in the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. So here's wisdom, calling out from the highest place in the city. But at the same time, here's folly, calling from the same place. What does folly say? Verse 16, let all who are simple come to my house. That's the same word, isn't it? To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Wisdom, folly, they both cry to us. And we are the simple ones. And our children who are growing to be adults are the simple ones. And every day both voices call to us. I concluded at the end of Academy that I would be a chemical engineer. And since they don't teach that at any Adventist university, I made the rather unlikely decision to attend the University of Tennessee, a rather bold move for someone who didn't, even know a non-Adventist at that point in his life. And while I was there enrolled, I often heard both voices, wisdom and folly. And though I might wish it wasn't so, I hearkened to folly more times than I would have ever expected I might. I took unwise and undisciplined steps but they were steps that were affirmed by a larger world that really didn't know any better before long I was quite far gone in my heart and becoming closed off to God's voice now I did manage to get a few things right I finished school And got a job. That's good, right? And I somehow convinced Alicia to marry me. Very good. So I got a couple things right. But as I rejected the voice of wisdom and listened to the voice of folly, my life suffered and my wife suffered. I was not succeeding in my work as well as I was capable. I was not being the man and husband I needed to be. But God had not abandoned his purpose for me, and he had not abandoned his purpose for Alicia, and his spirit had not lost any of its potency. Elisha heard God's voice calling us before I did. And if any of you know both of us, that's no surprise at all, right? And as 1991 became 1992... We started attending church in Paducah, Kentucky, with a certain degree of regularity, though I would later discover I was attending more on the strength of her determination than I was attending on my own conviction. And ultimately, this reality precipitated a crisis for us. I became keenly aware that Alicia and I were going to either have to travel together spiritually or we were going to end up traveling alone because there was no chance our marriage was going to survive any other way. And this was a real problem for me, because you see, I loved Alicia, and I still do. This was the crisis that the Spirit of God created for me. And the connection that God used to reopen my heart and unstop my ears, which were no longer listening to wisdom as much as to folly. Fall 1992 was when the breaking point came. We were living in Kentucky. I'd been apart from Alicia that summer because in the previous year, Alicia, as we'd been attending the church there, determined along with another young woman there at the church that this church needed an elementary school. And so they had worked together and banded together and the church came together and they were going to start a school that next year. And in preparation for teaching elementary, Alicia had gone down to Collegedale to Southern Adventist University uh, to take some classes in education. And so in those summer months, she was down there in class, I was still in Kentucky. And it was that summer that I realized how shallow my convictions were because when Alicia was gone, I stayed home on Sabbath morning and there was no such thing as internet church in those days where you could say, oh yeah, I watched online. When Alicia came back, I realized, not because she gave me an ultimatum or anything, but it just became clear to me, this is make or break time. And the decisions I'm about to make in the next couple of months are going to shape the rest of my life. Finally, I was beginning to hear wisdom again. Early that fall, Alicia bought me a new Bible off the conference bookmobile when it was in town. You remember the bookmobile? Anybody remember that? Used to be the ABC manager would drive the bookmobile to those little little churches out in the middle of nowhere, and you'd come out on Saturday night, and everybody would go through the bookmobile and, and get their stuff and put in their order for 10 crates of Vegilinks or something, whatever it was. She bought me a Bible off the conference bookmobile. It was a blue NIV study Bible, and I started to read it. And then I went to the bookcase at home and and took out the book by Ellen White entitled Patriarchs and Prophets. And I read with an intensity I had never known before. And when I finished Patriarchs and Prophets, I moved on to great controversy. And it was while I was reading that book that my key moment came upon me, the moment of decision that would determine the course that has brought me to where I'm standing right now today. Now, incidentally, these books, Uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, Great Conneries. These are the ones that Les McCoy and his students will be selling all over this state this year. I pray that someone will be impacted as I was. I was reading Great Controversy when conviction fell upon me when I clearly heard the voice of God speaking to me. But probably the point where this happened is not the place you might expect if you're at all familiar with the Great Controversy. You see, it wasn't in the prophetic portion or in the parts about the end time, but rather the conviction came on my heart in the early part, the part about the history of the church, the part that usually gets left out by people who just want to jump ahead and read the end. But it was the part about the history of the church when God brought me to decision time. I was reading about Martin Luther after he had taken his stand before the council and stated that he could not retract unless convinced by scripture and reason. And I thrilled in my heart at his determination. And then came these words. These are the exact words. It's from page 166, verse three. Had the reformer yielded a single point Satan and his host would have gained the victory. But his unwavering firmness was the means of emancipating the church and beginning a new and better era. And then this is the part. This is the part right here. The influence of this one man... Who dared to think and act for himself in religious matters was to affect the church and the world not only in his own time but in all future generations and that is when I heard the voice of God behind me loud and clear saying do you see what I can do with a man who listens to my voice and then came the follow-up will you be a man like that?" I was stunned in that moment that God would even ask me a question like that. I mean, aren't callings from God reserved for the super-righteous? I literally dropped the book at that point and I got up I was I was in the bedroom there of our little house in Kentucky I got up and I went outside into the dark Kentucky night and I stood there by myself in the dark and it was there in an act of repentance that I surrendered I gave in to the Spirit of God I ended my resistance I finally started to grow up and to begin to become all that God had in mind for me. Wisdom called to me that night and for once I listened. Since that day I have learned and I am learning to listen to the voice behind me God's voice of wisdom and to discern his voice from all the other voices you've heard the saying right he who has an ear let him hear it's a learning process God had and God has a purpose for my life my part so far has been imperfect service. That's what I've contributed so far. Imperfect service. His part has been powerful faithfulness. You see, God has called me And God has given me a message for this time and he has sent me to you and he has sent you to me that I might tell you in every way I can possibly think to do it week after week the message he has given me to share with you in these last days. And what is the message? Well, it takes different forms. But the core stays steady. And we started in Isaiah chapter 30, so so let's find it there. Here is another one of those chapters that encapsulates the message, I believe God has sent me to proclaim to you. And the authority of these words is found in the word of God, not in my word. Therefore I challenge you, people of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. Because you are the people that I love. So here is the message I am sent to tell you. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. I'm not talking about someone else. I'm talking about you. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait. For him. People of Zion, that's you, who live in Jerusalem, it's kind of like Jerusalem, I think, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity, and the water of affliction. Your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them, whether you turn to the right or to the left. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day your cattle will graze in broad meadows. The oxen and donkeys that work the soil will eat fodder and mash, spread out with fork and shovel. It's talking about God's blessing and his prosperity. In the day of great slaughter, when the towers fall, Streams of water will flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The moon will shine like the sun and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven days. When will that happen? When the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. This is a message that says that God is great and God is mighty and that he is a God of justice but he is also a God who longs to be merciful to his people and he is a God who will come in mighty power to judge the wickedness of the world and bring to justice all who destroy and all who seek to destroy while at the same time bringing joy and peace and healing and love to all who put their hope In him this is not a narrow message this is a word to us that covers everything about us that is and everything about us that will be and it is a word that we must take forward like light to the world until Jesus comes again this is the same voice That John the Apostle heard even more powerfully than I have heard it John heard the voice behind him Here is what he reports Revelation 1 verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me And when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man Dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest the hair on his head was white like wool As white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters in his right hand he held out seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the Sun shining in all its brilliance this is our Lord Jesus When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. Do you hear Jesus say that to you? Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. The voice of the one who holds the keys to death is calling to you today. Can you hear him? Here's what I want to say to you give up your rebellion for you cannot overcome him he will honor your decision to be destroyed but why would you continue to hearken to folly when wisdom calls to you the day came in my life when it was time for my resistance to end, is today the time for your resistance to end? Do you hear the voice behind you telling you which way to go? I know you do. I know you hear his voice because it was his voice that brought you here today. Today is the right time for your resistance to end. Do you hear his voice behind you telling you which way to go? This is the voice of God in your life. Do you have ears? Do they hear? Because if you do, then repent. For he is willing to forgive. And believe. For he saves all who put their faith in him. And go forth as a light in the world and live the gospel. Because he gives strength for living to all who ask. You have a light, it may feel like just a little light, but your light will make a difference in this dark world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we hear your voice today, the presence of your spirit here. Your conviction upon us is strong. Lord, help us to end our resistance at whatever level it exists right now. And be completely yielded to You. Help us to turn off listening to the voice of folly and begin listening to the voice of wisdom. Save us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.